Hey everyone, today's episode of Strictly Hoop Talk is going to just be me sitting down with Spike Lou. You know him from the hip-hop side of the podcast. He's coming over to the Hoop Talk side of the podcast for the first time, so very excited for that. We just had a good conversation. Before NBA basketball starts back up tonight, we wanted to look through the top of the East and the top of the West and just kind of talk about each team, see where we're at, how we feel And so without further ado, I'm going to get it to the show. But first, I want to do some quick housekeeping. So please, if you do not, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RealChrisPlatte, C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. If you don't know how to spell real, don't follow. And be sure to get tickets to the live show. The live show is tomorrow. That's Friday, February 21st in Detroit. So if you're in the Detroit area, make sure you grab a ticket. Tickets are only $15. They include food and drinks. If you come there, let me know that you got a ticket, and I will come meet you after my set. But um, I'm really excited. It's going to be the first time I'm performing the podcast live in front of an audience, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, Other stuff is coming with YouTube, and there's also going to be a big announcement coming for the strictly hip hop side of the podcast, so be sure to tune in for that. Without further ado, I'm going to throw it to the intro music and let's get this episode started. Hello everyone, welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host Chris Platty and returning to the podcast, this is the first time on the Strictly Hoop Talk podcast, I got my man from On Deck TV, Spike Lou. Spike, how you doing, sir? What it do, what it do, brother, happy to be here and talk a little NBA with you. Yeah, man, I mean, right, this is the first time you're on this podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's the first time I've been able to share my novice NBA knowledge, but I will <laughs> hope to give some good Spike Lou perspective on what I do see. Uh, uh, just a brief synopsis of uh, me and the NBA and probably why I haven't been on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm more of an NFL fan. I do follow the NBA. Um, I just think now the parity, it, it bothers me. Uh, knowing going into the season that maybe three teams are good to win it and not more than that gets kind of mundane to me throughout the season but being that i love basketball i do stick with it i'm a celtics fan <laughs> i'm enjoying jason tatum's rise I, I love where he is right now and i feel good about where we could be but realistically i know there's three teams that could possibly win the title <laughs> that irritates me you know, I'm. I knew it was going to be only a matter of time before you got the Celtics <laughs> in. I didn't know if it was going to be the intro. Right, um, that baby. You and I had some. You and I had some very interesting talks over the over the summer because mm-hmm. I remember the whole Kyrie debacle. Oh, you know, God. you <laughs> you were you and Bill Simmons were right there in the car getting ready yep. to drop Kyrie off at the airport. Man, hey, listen. I will Uber him there. I ain't taking him, but I will definitely Uber him to the airport. <laughs> Uber Black is outside, <laughs> waiting on him. Oh, you're even giving him the Uber Black, huh? Yeah, you really yeah, want him out of here. Get out of town quickly. <laughs> okay. I think the Knicks fans feel the same way, man. Man, look, I I have to I have to come to the the possibility that I am potentially wrong on Kyrie oh. because I have talked to you. All summer, and I said, and I said the same thing to everybody else I spoke with, 
that you know what yeah this is probably Kyrie's fault but this is a this is a a one-off weird situation let's see what happens in Brooklyn and it seems like the same things happen in Brooklyn um, we're not. I promise we're not going to talk about Brooklyn on this podcast really like that. We're just going to talk about the teams that matter in the East. There's only six teams that matter, and to be honest, whoever makes the last two playoff spots in the East is you know good for them. But um, but yeah, man, I think I do have to come to grips with start. I, I I'm not fully admitting it admitting it yet, but I do think there is a legit possibility that you know Kyrie just his quote unquote leadership is um those skills are lacking let's say yeah I and agree detrimental maybe i think yeah being a leader i think is this is probably another podcast but <laughs> i don't think it's just something that you, you you can want to do like you can't mm-hmm. just be like well i want to be the leader of this team because i'm the best basketball player i think that you have to embody that every day and just from the stuff that i've heard from Kyrie, not engaging with his teammates uh, being kind of standoffish and doing his own thing, those things are fine to do if you want to be the leading scorer in the NBA, you want to average 30 points. But when you're talking about leading a basketball team and people running through walls for you, uh, like Kimba's getting in Boston right now or other great point guards in history, I just don't I don't see that in Kyrie Irving. That's not a, a flaw. Like Everybody's not built to be that guy, and I just don't think he's that guy. Now, one thing I will say in defense, which is making me not fully accept responsibility for Kyrie yet, and that is that two years ago, I don't know if you remember this, you should because you're a big Celtics guy, but the, the talk was in that first year in Kyrie in Boston, everybody in Boston adored Kyrie. They were just like, oh, this is great. He's got a little bit of KG alpha in him. All the players love him. He's like the world. He's like the most favorite basketball player in the league among among actual NBA players. Not like the media, but actual NBA players consider him. He's kind of had that like Kobe effect, you know, where where he was like the players the, the players champion, not you know ne- not necessarily the media's champion. And for that to kind of do a one eighty, in you know in one to two years seems a little bit odd to me. So I, I'm gonna chalk it up to. You know, there's a possibility that this is just this is all just coming down to media perception, and nah, it's just changing so. with the wind. I think maybe midseason in Boston, we could have chalked it up to that. But once you start missing games in in Brooklyn, and people complaining about you and, and not knowing where you stand, I think it's a little bit. To me, in my opinion, it has a little bit more to do with personality, and it's going to be something that sticks with him. I. If this doesn't work, if it doesn't work with, and I know we're not going to talk about Brooklyn, if it doesn't work with Durant next year, and I mean one year in, they don't get two years. Hmm. I think it, it, you start to, Kyrie is starting to be the black cat. Hmm. It's going to be one of those contracts that they can't get rid of. I don't know about that. I don't know if he he's too good <laughs> of a basketball player to ever get to that point, but you know, because there's always going to be a team like a Detroit that just wants to win games. That's true, and they'll and they'll take them. Something like that, true. And Kyrie can get you to a to a sixth seed in the East or a seventh or eighth seed in the East. You know, like he can. Mm-hmm. He's that good. But um, yeah. Anyways, enough Brooklyn. Enough Brooklyn. Let's talk about the East since we're already here. Um, just some big picture stuff, really quickly. 
I, I think the most interesting thing going on in the East, besides the chance of the Bucks potentially d- doing the impossible and winning 70 games, is Philadelphia and what is going on. So Al Horford gets benched. Um, there's a lot of finger pointing. Things just seem to be weird in Philly right now. And they're a team that on paper has the most talent. You know, if you look at, if you line up Milwaukee and Philly, the two best roster constructed teams in the league, um, or in the East, I should say, from just a pure roster, pure talent standpoint, you know, Philly probably has like three of the best five or four of the best six players between the b- between those two teams so they have a lot of talent but that talent does not fit things are not working I thought that they would be the, just this great defensive team that would be able to win off of just the sheer size and physicality of their defense but they don't seem to be able to do that or if they do that it's not consistent um, Spike what are your thoughts on Philly now that we're past the halfway point in the season and things seem to be messier than ever I don't think that the Philadelphia coaching staff is talented enough to have um, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I think that those are two talented players. They're both great, but they have to make a decision in Philly, starting with the front office, the GM. I mean, he's going to have to make a decision. Elton Brand, right? Elton Brand's yeah. the GM. Elton Brand's going to have to make a decision on which one player that he wants to keep or getting a new coach. I don't think he's able to do both. Now, I wouldn't be too quick to break up Embiid and Simmons because, I mean, there are two, like, I feel like those are two generational talents. But I just don't think that they can play together with someone who's just not a good coach as Brown is. Like, I just, he doesn't have the skill set to be able to use those guys together, and I think that you're seeing that. So you bring Horford in, and he's underachieved. I'm glad Boston didn't play him to bring it back to the Celtics. I'm glad we didn't pay him, excuse me. And then you got Tobias Harris, who they're overpaying and they thought would be more of an impact. So in Philly, what I'm seeing is just even a novice basketball fan is just a lot of pieces that don't fit together. It's almost like if you're playing 2K and you're making these random trades, and you're like, all right, let me put this guy with this guy. And I just got this team of people that are like 85 and 87s overall, but they don't mesh. And mm-hmm. I think that's the problem. They don't. They're not meshing. Like if I'm asking you, you're more of a basketball fan than me. Who is the go-to option on that team? Is it Joel Embiid? It should be Joel Embiid. But honestly, like when I watch them, I a part of me feels like they are at their absolute best when Ben Simmons is running the floor with the with the little shooting that they have. And it, and again, it, it that is so few and far between because. They don't have a lot of consistent shooters, so we don't get to see it often. But that stretch when when Embiid was out with his finger injury and mm-hmm. Ben Simmons was just balling like oh. we've never seen, uh, the, he, that team was really good. Now, do I think Embiid is the better player? Absolutely. But I think in today's NBA, it's just a lot harder to construct a team around a, a big man even a dominant big man like Joel Embiid, who is by most accounts, you know, the best center in the NBA on almost any given night. There's nights he can be defeated for sure, but he is, uh, generally speaking, the best center in the NBA. 
and you know I don't want to put it all on Embiid because obviously the the poor spacing and the lack of shooting in Philly makes it tougher for Embiid and forces him to shoot threes and Embiid's been saying he doesn't want to shoot threes and it's it's just it's a messy situation for Embiid as well but I do think the the quote-unquote easier solution is to just kind of get Ben Simmons get shooters because there's a lot of shooting in this league and you know you can find that uh, you can find that pretty easily, and you know that that's a team that you can just rip and go. And do I think that that's the best Philadelphia team? Do I think that that's a championship Philadelphia team? No, I think the best version of Philly is some way where we can where where we can make Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid work because Ben Simmons alone, as great as he is, can't uh, at this point in his career carry a team to a title i mean we're seeing Giannis, the best player in the league last year have a catastrophic fall to the toronto raptors in the, in the conference finals so you know and ben simmons is nowhere near the level of Giannis. so i don't think at this point in his career ben simmons can be the guy so you think he needs mb or do you think that he needs something else like if you're running the sixes do you say hey I know Ben Simmons is that guy. He's where the NBA is going today. His skill set is fucking awesome. But I also know that Joel Embiid, like you said, is a dominant big man. But what do I do with that? So Hmm. if I'm the GM for the Sixers, am I trading Embiid? Or am I trying to make it work, continue to try to put these square pegs in the circle? You know, I really do think that, honestly, if if they had consistent shooting outside of Embiid and Simmons yes that fit isn't perfect but it can it can work and I do think you know I I know that it's kind of weird because when Embiid gets the ball Simmons is just kind of floating around really just trying to find like you said you know kind of just trying to fit a square peg into a round hole because they don't fit but I think that they can they can fit enough I mean we saw last year I don't think people really remember this and a lot of it does go to Jimmy Butler's credit obviously but Philly was a monster last year in the playoffs and they were you know they were extremely close to reaching the next round and who knows if they could have done the same to Milwaukee as Toronto did you know again I I I don't know that's a question that we just don't have the answer to but Philly looked like they were on the verge of potentially reaching the conference finals with the, with that current team and maybe that convinces Butler to stay and maybe they don't do Horford and they keep the four and you know it, it just it shows you how fluky the the NBA is but it also shows to me that there's a possibility that 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 can work in in Philly um, I, I don't know if I'm ready to give it up like everybody else is um, unless you're unless you're Philly and you're just not confident that Joel Embiid can handle an 82 game regular season plus playoffs, you know, all the way to the finals, because Embiid you, to win a championship you need Embiid at his at his best, and if he's not able to do that, then you know that's going to be an issue. But I just think it's interesting where Philly's at, man. Like they are now the five seed in the East, and they are playing Miami, who looks really good right now, mm-hmm. and wouldn't that be something if Philadelphia got knocked in the first round by Miami? I could see that. And I'll tell you, I could definitely see that. And we'll go to Miami talking about it. But I'm out. I'm out on Embiid. If I'm the Sixers, I would let him go. I try to find the best compliment to Ben Simmons because I believe, as you said, though 
Embiid, I feel like, is a great talent at center. That's not a position that I have to worry about in today's NBA. I don't have to worry about being better at Embiid in the post. If if I'm, for instance, the Lakers, like mm-hmm. I I don't I won't need a strong five to beat them. He can get his thirty and fifteen inside. They still don't have anybody to guard LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah. So I would try to deal with that. I would try to put someone pair and Bill Simmons is more athletic, better shooter, better on the perimeter, and I I I become weak inside and give that up to do so. I could see him beat in New York for some reason at some point. I mean, look, that's a very Knicks move, you know. Yeah. Get, get get a great player, get a great player who might not necessarily fit. That's why when when the Pisses were talking to the Knicks about trading, I got super geeked. I was like, <laughs> we're about to hit the jackpot, and then we traded Drummond for a bag of Doritos. Mm, but yeah, that hurt. <laughs> that but hurt. anyways, uh, Miami, we talked about them so. The trade deadline made moves that they made, bringing in Jay Crowder, bringing in Igudala, um, certainly two players that can help them right away. But you know, I don't know if this how much further this pushes them. You know, I, I, they're a great team. They've overachieved all season long. I like that they didn't have to give up any picks. Not that they really had picks to give up anyways because of the um, Jimmy Butler trade. But you know, just getting rid of Winslow who was struggling to stay healthy, struggling to be a consistent player on, on the Miami Heat. He looked good when he played, but he didn't play enough. So I think even though he's young and uh, he, was one of their, he was one of their few young, young bright players, uh, you, you have to make that move just because you know, you're getting uh, Iguodala, who's ideally a better player. You're getting Jay Crowder as well. So I like what Miami did at the trade deadline, but Spike... I, I do think this raises their their ceiling a little bit, but I don't think it it, it necessarily changes them into a into a title favorite. I think they needed a bigger move to be a uh, not a title favorite, but I should say a contender. I agree with you. I don't think that it put them in title contention, but it did open up some cap, salary cap room for next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Riley's great. He's great at recruiting people. Miami's a great recruiting tool. That city in itself. Uh, so I'm not sure what big free agents they would try to land next year or, or getting into that. But I do think that this was a play to fortify what they have, uh, make their mm-hmm. roster a little bit more solid, and to go into next season with more money in hopes of landing someone to play with Butler down there and making a stronger run next year. I can see Miami being a favorite uh, going into next year. I think that they score some sort of way in free agency, some sort of way through the draft, and they turn this move that opened up the cap room into two, three years of deep playoff runs. Yeah, and you know, what they're doing is, what they're clearly doing is they're saving for Giannis, because there's not many good free agents this year, but next year, the the year after, 2021, is the summer of Giannis, and there's some other great players that can become available as well, actually, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can opt out of their deals. And so um, that that's going to be like the next land, uh, landscape changing summer in the NBA. And Miami has made it no secret that they are going full force after Giannis. But with these, with uh, remember, they extended, they extended Andre Iguodala. And, you know, th- they will be players in this offseason, too. Like, you know, there is a, a world in which Bradley Beal, who's been vocally frustrated all year, says, trade me, I'm out. 
he couldn't get traded this year because he just signed an extension, but he can get traded next year. So there's a chance that Miami's like, look, now we can offer you Iguodala, Crowder, these expirings for um, for Bradley Beal, and essentially that is their free agent acquisition instead of Giannis. But Miami, what I believe, and just knowing Pat Riley, I think that they're going to save up and you know make the push for Giannis just because that's Pat Riley's game. He's a he you know he he's big fish hunts all the time. So that's that's what he's looking for. He's looking for that next transcendent star. And wouldn't it just be nuts if that guy Pat Riley uh, recruited LeBron and Giannis within a ten year window? That would just be nuts. That would be insane. I agree with that one million percent. So where are you leaning on that? Do you think that Giannis, you think Giannis is likely to be down in Miami, or what do you think that he makes? I don't think the Milwaukee's in play. I'm not gonna lie. Oh wow. Yeah, I don't think Milwaukee's. I like. I, I think that it's good to say for the brand now that I love Milwaukee. But let's be honest, man. Have you ever been to Milwaukee? <laughs> nope. Oh, man, it's rough, buddy. <laughs> uh, shout out my Milwaukee to Bucks fan. Milwaukee, yeah. Man, yeah, shout out I'm to the people NBA in Milwaukee. player making a lot of money. Milwaukee's not the city that I want to be in, and if Miami wants me, I'm making that happen. To be fair, though, nine months of the year you are bouncing around the country. To be but fair, I gotta come home to Milwaukee, though. Yeah, it sucks. But nine months of the year. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Um, you know, I I personally think that Milwaukee right now is the favorite. I'm I'm buying. I'm still buying the the image that Giannis is different from all these other dudes, just because uh, all the players that talk about Giannis, like KG. You know, the former players, Kobe, they they would all talk about Giannis in a light that he was, um, that he's just different. He, he, he's different than LeBron. He's different than, um, you know, all of the James Hardens, the whatever. He, he's just a different player mentality-wise. And he, he does kind of love the idea of being with a team for forever and bringing a title there. But again, he's going to be realistic and evaluate his options because Milwaukee, if Milwaukee fails to deliver a championship. And so right now, I honestly think, Spike, um, people are talking all sorts of destinations. There's Milwaukee, Miami, Golden State, all sorts of options. Uh, People are even pitching, you know, like a team world where he goes to Dallas with Luka and Przingis, um, you know, and I really think that it's right now, if I had to choose, Milwaukee's a favorite, but Miami's second, man. I don't doubt Pat Riley's ability to recruit. I think Jimmy Butler, even though you know he can be a headache to a lot of players, I think I think him in that heat culture, I think he's really uh, he's the same person, but he's in a culture that allows him to be himself, and I think that that makes him not only a better player, but more attractive to play with, if that makes sense. So I think so. I think that Miami is honestly really an option. Um, you know, you can argue is Jimmy Butler uh, that much better than Chris Middleton? Uh, I don't know. Yes. You know, I think he is. I, I mean, I would when it gets to playoff time. Yeah. Instead of yeah, but Chris um, Middleton has been sneakily good in the playoffs, though. If you look at his numbers, he's 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 all right. You want Chris Middleton as your two? No, I don't. I don't love. I don't love the idea of him as my two. But I. But I do think that Milwaukee. Let's jump to Milwaukee because I do think that they have a chance to win the title this year. Well, let me uh, ask I, you. 
Go ahead. That, I'm so sorry. Who is third on your Giannis list? If Miami's two, Milwaukee's one for you, who's third? I don't think I have a third right now. Okay. okay. Um, but just because, you know, everybody wants to talk about Golden State, and yes, that would be lethal, but I do think that Giannis is at least somewhat aware of the Kevin Durant image hit that he took from going to Golden State. And I don't think Giannis wants that even if he even if he wants to win. Um, you know, I, I, I just see I see that narrative being the same if Giannis joins uh Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, even though all those players are older and they'll probably be uh less talented than they were when they got Kevin Durant, it's still gonna kinda be the same thing where this is going to be another team where you're just like, Oh shit, like they got Giannis now. Come on, man. And yeah. And it's going to be another year. It's going to be another like three, four years where everybody's complaining that nobody that that the NBA season should just be canceled because because Golden State's going to win the title. So I so I don't I don't think Golden State is an option despite everyone think, talking about the logistics of it and Steph Curry trying to recruit Giannis and all of that stuff. Um, you know that's that's just my personal take. So. I don't know if there's a third. A third will emerge 100%, especially because they'll have free agent possibilities. Like maybe Kawhi says, you know what, uh, Paul George, you know, Paul George, you're nice, but uh, Giannis, why don't you come here instead? Or some something like that, you know, like there's, there's, there's all these possibilities that can happen. LeBron can be like, yo, I'm taking a pay cut. Come here, Giannis, be with me and AD. Like uh, there's, there's a, there's a, just like a, a, unlimited range of possibilities two years away because it's so easy to move contracts now and make things happen so i'm i'm not so convinced that uh i i know there's a third team out there but i'm not so convinced that that they're going to be as strong as milwaukee or miami at at this moment if i had to throw a name in the head i'd say dallas just because i'd like to see Giannis and luca play together that would be so fun (laughs) no reason other than that but i would say that yeah, that would be fun. Um, so let's talk Milwaukee. Simple question. We'll, we'll, we'll make it quick because they're they're a good team. You know, they have the best record in the league. They only got eight losses. Um, you know, there's not really much to say other than that they've been spectacular. Number one team in points, one of the greatest defenses, great point differential, all of that. Is Milwaukee better than they were last year despite losing Brogdon? Yes, I think they're better than they were last year. If not, the only thing is, uh, if the only thing that is better is the experience that they've added, they've had that playoff, they got the initial reaction off their back. So mm-hmm. I do think that they're a better basketball team. I think they've proven it via the record. I think that Giannis is a year better. So I think when they go to the playoffs this year, that they're going to be able to handle what's put in front of them. East is not very strong, in my opinion. Um, if there's some sort of way that they meet up with Miami, that may be a problem for them. I don't think that any other way that there's a, a something that's going to stop them other than a good defensive scheme. I don't think Toronto is strong enough. Uh, but I, I like Milwaukee. I think that they're going to take it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They have the best player in basketball right now, at least in the East. And that's what's going to get them through the playoffs and that extra year of experience. You know, I'll say this. I'll kind of hedge. I'll kind of hedge my answer here, Uh-oh. and say that they're a better regular season team than they were last year. I don't know if they're a better playoff team because Malcolm Brogdon 
is a is a really good player. I think he's a really good player. Now, I understand why Milwaukee didn't sign him. They're concerned about his injury history. Um, he has he hasn't had foot problems in in Indiana, but he has had injury problems. But you know what? At the end of the day, Malcolm Brogdon is a good player. Eric Bledsoe has continuously been great in the regular season and underperformed in the playoffs. So I think that you know it's it's a real wait and see. I think yet you're absolutely right. Giannis is better. Um, Middleton, I think, is is better. Lopez is playing absolutely phenomenal for them. Brooke Lopez, that is. Not they got both brothers. Um, I like the steps that Pat Connington's taken. I, I like the team overall. Um, you know, they, they like you said, they they have another year of experience in that system. They have the same core group, so there's that there's that hunger. You know, kind of going back to the '80s and '90s, how the the Pistons had to go through the Celtics and the then then the Bulls had to go through the Pistons. Like, there's a little bit of that with this Bucks team, mm-hmm. which is which is cool and, and fun. But I think come playoff time. I, I think there. I think that Malcolm Brogdon difference is going to really shine, especially if George Hill can stay healthy, which is something that he hasn't done. He's he's been healthy this year, but he hasn't been consistently healthy um, for a whole season in in quite some time. But do I think that it, if if George Hill can be eighty percent of what Brogdon was, and Giannis and Middleton take that extra step? and Eric Bledsoe is better than what he was last year in the playoffs, then yes, this team can be better than they than they were last year. But I, I don't have confidence that they're necessarily a better playoff team. Okay, so do you think that they're in trouble uh, second round Heat Sixers winner, or do you think that they can still make it to the finals? Potentially. As as disastrous as, as Philly has been, um, and – even though there's a there's a clear difference between Miami and Milwaukee, you know I'm honestly, if you have to ask me today who who makes it to the finals, I'm probably guessing Milwaukee. I guessed Philly to start the year just because of their their size and their and I thought that they could really muck things up for Milwaukee. But you know Toronto's playing amazing. Um, Philly is is a mess again, but Miami's playing well. Milwaukee's playing well, but I do think I, I just I'm not a hundred percent sold and I won't be sold until the playoffs that Milwaukee is better than they were last year. And I I, I think the East has gotten even though even though there's not a team that's going to be better than Toronto was last year in the East, I do think overall the East got a little bit better. Um, just because Toronto hasn't fallen off as much as we thought. Toronto's been playing just absolutely amazing. So I, I don't know, man. Like I'm really I'm really torn with the Eastern Conference. I just I don't know where to lean because I'm not really confident in any one of those teams. Are are you confident in one of those teams? No, the only team I'm confident in in the East is Milwaukee. That's the only team that I have any confidence in. I don't think the Raptors are for real. I don't think Pascal Siakam is a, is a, he's great. He's a good basketball player. He cannot lead the Raptors to a championship this year, especially with. I don't think Lowry's a two at all. I think Lowry's the third best player on the championship team at best. Uh, so I, I, the only team, I mean, I'm rooting for the Celtics, of course, because that's my squad. Uh, but the only team that scares me in the East is the Bucks. So I don't think they have to worry about anything. I actually think they'll breeze through the playoffs. I'm going to be honest with you. Hmm. I don't think that they'll be in uh, maybe 4-1, a 4-2, another 4-1. 
and boom, they're there in the finals. I think that that's how the playoffs will go. You well, disagree? I hope so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I do think somebody's going to at least make it tough for Milwaukee if really? they get out. Hmm. I do. I see six games max in the series, and I mean, that's probably two blows. Yeah, true. I guess I guess if I'm looking at it that way, then yeah, two two games. Um, I, I could see a game going six, or a series going six, but, you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think it won't be easy for Milwaukee. I, I just don't. Okay, I, I I will concede. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the West here. Let so quickly between the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Jazz, those top four teams in the West. Um, the Jazz have been playing well recently. The Clippers, uh, geez, they just can't stay healthy, and they keep making acquisitions. They now picked up Reggie Jackson off the buyout market. Um, the Nuggets are starting to come into shape. Nikola Jokic is getting into shape. And the team is the team is playing pretty well, but they they got hit with some injury bugs over the last month. The Lakers have been the the best team from a regular season performance standpoint so far in the Western Conference. Which of those four teams is your favorite right now? Uh, four teams. Hmm. I'll be honest with you. I don't have. I, I as I stated at the beginning, I think there are three people, and I only think the Lakers and the Clippers. Um, if I had to rank it. I would go Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets. Did you did you say Jazz? Yes, the Jazz are the fourth, and then the Rockets are the fifth. Yeah, yeah, Jazz are the fourth out of those four. Uh, not, I don't think – I mean, the Nuggets, they have a nice record. Again, I think the same problem is going to present itself in the playoffs with them as to who's the Batman to Joker. <laughs> I mean, no, literally. Not literally. <laughs> Wait, no. That was nice what you did there. You brought a little bit of the rap podcast to the. Okay, I like it. A little bit in there, but, I um, like it. I, I mean, Joker's going to need a number two, man. Like, there's going to be. There's going to need to be a guy on the perimeter, athletic, or wing. I just don't know if Murray's that guy. And yeah. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. So, like I said, I think the Lakers are strong enough to. Maybe they they may struggle with a, in, a, in a series or two. Whoever runs into the Rockets right now, it's set up as to where the Lakers will see them in the second round instead of the uh, Clippers. Uh, so I think the Lakers will have a problem with the Rockets. That may go seven, uh, but I think ultimately we'll see that Lakers Clippers Eastern Conference or Western Conference Finals that we want to see. What do you think? Yeah, I think as long as they stay in the in the opposite sides of the bracket. You know that that's going to be the uh, that's going to be the series that determines who wins the who wins the West. I think whenever it happens, whether it happens in the second round or the third round. Um, right now, I'm with you, Eileen Lakers, um, just because you know they they've looked straight up the best. The Clippers, you know, yes, they look amazing, and on paper, you think this is a team that's better than the Lakers on paper, just because of their fit. But you know what, the Lakers, there's something about that group of guys that just, you know, they they make more sense on 2K in real life, but there's something that's <laughs> that's different about this Lakers team. Like, they're all veterans, they're all hungry, and not that the Clippers aren't, you know, aren't in that same position either, but there's just a different feel with this Lakers team, and... Um, so I think that there's, I think that there's a good chance that they can, that they can make it to the finals and bring one home because they're just, everything's, everything's going great. And I never expected that. I did not expect a LeBron James led team 
to not have drama, especially when it's in LA, one of the biggest markets, you know, but everybody loves each other. They're playing great. Um, you know, I, I'm going with the Lakers. I, I think it's a real problem for the Clippers to handle the size difference of uh, of the Lakers. I do think that that will be a problem in the playoffs, especially when they let um, when they let everybody get more physical. I'm not counting the Clippers out by any means, but I, I do think that the Lakers. I've been I've been very impressed with them, and so far the Clippers they just haven't played enough games together for me to feel like coming into the playoffs they're going to be at their peak condition because they've they've had only what like 10 15 games with Kawhi and Paul George so it's not like it's not like those guys have perfect chemistry whereas LeBron and AD have been playing like every game together yeah I'm not to the point yet where I bet against LeBron James I think uh you hit the nail on the head there's been no controversy there's not been a lot of hoopla around the Lakers this season it's almost had like LeBron has had this workman mentality, like I'm just going to keep my head down, I'm going to go out and do my job, and I'm going to look up and we're going to be in the finals, and I'm going to be the MVP. And I think that's what's going to happen. Like I don't think that LeBron James is going to be beat. I think that he's on a, a mission this year in L.A. Last year, a lot of people forgot he's still the king. There's been a lot of Kawhi talk. And I think that bothers him. I think that that bothers him that people consider other basketball players better than him until the day that he retires. He wants to be looked at as the number one guy. And I think that's what he's trying to prove this season. We'll mm-hmm. get in the playoffs. We'll see it in the finals when he gets there. We'll see it throughout all of these performances. He's quietly having one of the best years of his career. It's year 16 for him. That's insane to even sit and think about. And I don't think that there's any chance of it slowing down uh, throughout the rest of the season. He's going to be on a mission, and he is going to – this is going to be one of those seasons that we look back over LeBron James' career and we go, wow, Uh, that what people said that he used to lack, that killer mentality. I think that he's going to leave a playoff full of bodies, and we're really going to chalk this one up as one of the great seasons that LeBron had especially in year 16. So that's my prediction. The Lakers are going to win. Man, I can't knock it right now because if I'm honest with you, if I have to pick not only a Western Conference winner but a, a title winner, I'm picking I'm picking the Lakers as well. I'm right there with you for all the things you said. I think don't count out LeBron. I was saying this last year, uh, even in March, before the playoffs started last year, when I knew that LeBron was getting shut down for the year, this, this, and that. I was like, man, look, this is the first time that this guy's not playing basketball till June. Don't let that slip. You know, that's not nothing. That's extra months of recovery and building his body for what can be, you know, maybe one of his last great apex seasons. And, you know, like you said, I think the whole Kawhi stuff really does bother him, the Giannis stuff. Um, he's a competitor. LeBron has that in him. So I think that I think that that is also a huge motivating factor for LeBron. So all of those things being said, I do think that even though the Lakers aren't the best fit together, they are making it work, and I think that they're the team that can that can win it when push comes to shove. Because truth be told, like you said, I'm not I'm not betting against LeBron yet, not yet, not at this point. 
I agree with you. I'm not betting against him either. And that's crazy to say in year 16, I think. And I, I'm, I'm not there yet. I am not there yet. <laughs> uh, all right, let's jump to the Rockets. So the Rockets did an interesting thing. They just basically punted the center position. They said, you know what? Screw it. Centers are overrated. And they went with P.J. Tucker, who has a long wingspan. He actually has, from what I've heard, um, a seven-foot wingspan. And, you know, that's, you know, a seven-foot wingspan, you know, that's that's decently tall enough. So they're, so they're basically trying to say that they really only got two, three inches smaller. And does that make the biggest world a difference? Um, I think it does because I think it's putting so much dependency on P.J. Tucker. I mean, this guy, P.J. Tucker, is just the, the best teammate ever. Uh, I mean... This guy is willing to sacrifice his entire body at 6'5", looking like he has a beer belly, playing center against all of these uh, all of these crazy athletic NBA players, and he is holding his own and playing extremely well. One thing I'll say, Spike, before I toss it to you, is that it was interesting when the Rockets played the Lakers, that down the stretch of that game, the Lakers actually kind of adjusted to the Rockets. They went smaller instead of the Rocket uh, instead of playing big against uh, against the Rockets saying, you know, this is our matchup, this is and that. You know, this is our advantage, our size, our strength. And, you know, that that says something to me that teams are adjusting to the Rockets because Daryl Morey's all in. He's got his cards and he is not uh, he is not bluffing. He is he is willing to play this style and go out blazing with this style. So the fact that other teams, if other teams start to kind of, uh, you know, play to them rather than playing to, to their own strengths, then I think that that works in Houston's favor. And I think that this could actually work and maybe even make this team better. I don't know, man. I was skeptical of this when it first started and, Though I do think that there's something to getting in the playoffs and having James Harden and Russell Westbrook on your team. I can't wait to see how that goes. Uh, still, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure when it comes down to it if that brand of basketball is going to be a brand that can get people. Like, once they play, like right now, the Rockets are the five seeds. So they play the Jazz, which is going to be a pretty good first-round matchup. But they'll get through that just based off talent. But then I don't know if I put them against a LeBron James now in that one five matchup that that like they can't get through that like they can't beat AD and LeBron and it's just the late I mean the the Rockets I don't think they're just not set up for it they're set up for James Harden to score fifty points in the regular season if he wants but not to beat LeBron James at AD in seven games. You know what I I really do think you're absolutely nail on the head i I wish we i wish we disagreed more this podcast you know but um just for just for uh content sake but you know what you're you're right man i do think you know i'm still worried about the late i'm still worried about just the rockets playing the whole series against the lakers um what are they gonna do the clippers i feel like they actually fit the clippers better because Montrez harrell himself is only six nine so I don't think that Montrezl Harrell, while he does play big, physical, and strong, he is—he's um, not the same. He's not the same uh, 
physical beast that Anthony Davis is or that or or that Nikola Jokic is just that that seven foot man like that's those couple inches just seem to make a difference especially when uh especially when it's uh, when it comes to the center position so um I, I I'm not a hundred percent confident that's working but like I said the, the fact that the Lakers played into the Rockets hand I think does go a long way because what if, like you said, it'll be an interesting first-round series if the Jazz play the Rockets and the Rockets play Rudy Gobert off the floor? If they play Rudy Gobert off the floor, which I don't think is going to happen because Rudy Gobert is an elite defensive player, so they're gonna they're gonna force him in there, and you know he's never gonna not be a factor. But if they can, but if they can really mitigate him, and um, and, and that's the Jazz' second best player, then the Jazz are screwed if that's the case and you know same with the lakers like if the lakers if you can if you can really just kind of force them to not play their bigs to not play dwight to not play javel to not play all of those players then i think that i think that you can you have a shot at winning um you know between that and just shooting the crazy amount of threes the numbers that you know don't give me i'm not an analytics guy but I know that three is more than two, and I know that if you shoot enough of them, there's a good chance that if you make them, you win. So, I I don't know, man. I'm not I'm not ready to call this experiment a failure. Um, and I know that a lot of people are actually encouraged by it. They've been doing some interesting things. They they kind of treat Russell Westbrook as a center, and he just kind of rolls to the rim with like crazy ferocity and dunks on everybody. Um, but I, I'm just I'm not ready to I'm not ready to say that to have confidence in the Rockets but I do like that in an NBA season where we're seeing a bunch of teams play the same style that this Rockets team is doing something we've never seen before I agree with that I agree with that but I still don't know if that style is going to get any chips yeah I, I don't know if that's able to bring any chips but I'm anxious to see like I cannot wait to see a playoff series with LeBron James Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis though tell you that yeah, man. It's going to be good, man. This year's playoffs are going to be good. Let's close it here with this. The the, the final spot in the playoffs. Uh, Memphis has got it safe right now, it seems like. The, the Spurs are struggling. Dame and Portland Trailblazers, who are right on uh, Memphis's tail for the A seed. Now Dame is out for, for one to two weeks at least. He's going to be reevaluated one to two weeks. And the Pelicans, excuse me. The Pelicans are five and a half games back. So, Spike, I ask you this. Who's going to end up with that eighth seed? Who's going to end up with what? I missed part of it. I'm sorry. Who's going to end up with that eighth seed? Memphis right now, who has it? And the Spurs are struggling. Damian's out for Portland. And the Pelicans are five and a half games back. Or do you believe in Zion? Well, I am from Tennessee, Chris. If you did not know, Nashville, not Memphis. So I am. And I love John Morant, man. I seen the ESPN. Oh, man. He's killer. Oh, God. I love John Morant. I seen a E60 on him where they did a little piece. His dad was cool. I just loved his story about being discovered in the back gym in there. And, hey, man, I'm 100% rooting for them to get the AC. Though the Spurs do have the pedigree and are known to go on runs, they're like fuck the Terminator. It just won't ever die. Um, I, I don't necessarily have to see Zion in the playoffs, so that would be cool. I'm more so rooting for Ja and that team to be there. I'd love to see them just get their playoff 
uh, skis uh, up under them. And I think, I mean, I'm cool with Zion being there next year. I think that that team is going to uh, get a lot better. Uh, so I would go for the Memphis Grizzlies and the AC, the Grizzlies, excuse me. Yeah, that's who I got. I mean, I know that the Pelicans have the easiest schedule of these teams. So actually, if you look at um, 538, which is a website that kind of like really does um, a great job at predicting playoff odds and all of that stuff for the NBA. They have the Pelicans as a favorite to make the playoffs as of last week, and they're five and a half games back, which is a lot to cover in a 20-something game, in like a 25-28 game stretch. So that being said, um, I, I'm going with Memphis because I just think that they have a comfortable lead I, I'm not confident in Portland without Dame. The Spurs are struggling. I don't want to count them out, but I think I'm finally at that point where I'm where I'm just ready to admit that the Spurs aren't going to make the playoffs, and that's a a, a, a tough thing for me to comprehend. Why well, still win like twelve straight games? Like man, nowhere. I, I I would not. I, I can't say I would not be surprised because I just said they won't make the playoffs. I would be surprised, but you know what? It, the crazier things have happened in the NBA. Let me put it to you that way. But um, the Pelicans, who might be the most formidable opponent, are five and a half games back from Memphis. So I think that Memphis ends up with it. And I think that, like you said, Jock gets his uh, first playoff experience. And, you know, it's a cool story because, you know, Andre Iguodala is a good playoff, uh, a good player. And the fact that he didn't want to play for Memphis, and some of those young guys took it to heart, like Dylan Brooks. I don't know if you were following that. I but, was, um, man. I thought that was stupid. I won't lie. Um, on Memphis's part or on Iguodala's part? Well, okay. I get that Memphis, the young guys are like, okay, bro, what are you doing here if you don't want to play with us? But Iggy, he's got championship pedigree. Like, he didn't ask to be traded for Memphis, and it's all a business. I think when it got to Steph and it got to Cha, it, that was just doing too much. Like I, you, you don't have to go back and forth for Steph. You don't have, like you don't have to do that, and I don't think that it was called for. Uh, I do like the fights in it sometimes, but I just don't. I, I didn't see the point of it here. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't blame Iggy for not wanting to play in Memphis, and that's not disrespectful to those young guys there. It's just saying, hey man, I, I got different aspirations from you guys, right? And I want to let my agent take care of it. Nothing against what you guys are doing here. I'm just not on that. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, I think if he was there sabotaging the team or something of that nature, just being a dick about it, then we're talking differently. But I think he was being a professional about it. And those guys, the Memphis young guys, have to learn more so to be professionals about taking those situations. So. Man, Spike, you're getting soft because I loved it. I loved it. Um, you know, I love I love that you know these young guys really have that level of confidence and they're playing well. Um, it would be easy to laugh at them if they uh, if they you know if they were losing, but you know what? They're winning, and when you're winning, that is the the biggest cure. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, same with Philly. If Philly wins the title this year, we're gonna we're gonna praise their roster construction. We're gonna be like, oh, they found a way to be unconventional in, in today's NBA when right now they're losing and we're trashing them and saying you got to trade Embiid or Simmons, Horford's a bum, this, this, and that. So, you know, it's all it's winning cures all 
everything. Winning cures everything. Yeah, that's true. Winning does cure everything. But they, I mean, have those guys seen Iggy lately? Like he can't do anything on their team. Like he, <laughs> they should be happy he wanted to sit out. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah. I, I enjoy the feistiness of John Moran. I will say that. Yeah. Uh, keep doing your thing, Ja. Keep doing your thing. Um. All right, that's it here. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the the John Beeline thing. Um, I I really don't. I, I really want to save that for another podcast where I can go a little bit more in depth with that because I got a lot to say on that. Were you but, um, were you out on that from the beginning? Like yeah, a lot of just more? yeah, just because um you know I don't watch college basketball, so I don't really know John Beeline's resume like oh, that. Even though a, I went to Michigan State, he's a a hole. I've heard. Hmm. Well, it makes sense that he's no no longer the head coach. <laughs> yeah, I heard he's the, what I heard from the very beginning from people that I talked to was he's not an NBA guy. Like it's not not that he's a bad coach, not that he's a bad guy. Is is there's a certain type of NBA coach you know that you watch the league? It's not it's not the Bobby Knight Stickler type of coach. Yeah, that's not going to be successful in 2020 in the NBA, and I think that's what John Beeline was. My short take on it. Yeah, and and I agree with that because that's also that's also kind of what I heard was that players just he was treating players like college students, you know, where where he can kind of play that you know father figure role as opposed to like a coach where he can really you know kind of demand um, be demanding on his on his kids. Whereas these NBA players are like, I'm making more money than you, you know. I'll do what I I'll do what I want. If you got some good suggestions on how to play better, cool. If not, let me do what I want because I'm making a ton of money. Facts. Especially if you're, especially if you're in Cleveland and you know you're not going anywhere. It's just, man, just shut up. Right. <laughs> I agree. But I agree. But all right, we'll we'll leave it there. I'm glad we got a little quick take in on John Beeline. Thank you, Spike, for coming on the Strictly Hoop Talk podcast, uh, first time, and it was a success. Why don't you go plug everything that you're doing out in uh, on Deck TV in Atlanta? Yes, sir, man. Y'all make sure you guys check me out. I am Spike Lou on all your social sites. Give me a follow. I engage with my people on Twitter there. Check out the On Deck TV podcast. Drops every Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, and the YouTube link as well. You can take a look at us and see what we're doing over there. That's the Real Build Media YouTube page, On Deck TV podcast on all social media. And I am Spike Lou on all social media as well. Chris, I always appreciate you giving me a chance to get on here and talk. My thing is communication. I love to do it. So appreciate you, brother. Continue to do your thing over here. Thank you, man. I appreciate all your support, both on the podcast and in life, my friend. Take care, and I'll be talking to you soon. Yes, sir. I'm out.